talk about revolution That's going a little bit too far So love me, love me, love me I'm a liberal Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Worst Wing uh, Here in the year of our Lord, 2020 Where we take a look at Aaron Sorkin's seminal work, The West Wing from a modern socialist leftist perspective. I am Dave. And I am Stu. And in this episode, we are discussing the West Wing episode entitled Game On, uh, of which the main events surround the one and only presidential debate between our President Bartlett and Governor of Florida, Rob Ritchie. Uh, which will be the main event uh, of this particular episode. But before we get into all that, let's I'm going to start where the episode starts, uh, which is our cold open, uh, in which the staff is going to meet with Bartlett for one of our last, uh, what they call a two-minute drill, uh, where they're just doing some last-minute debate prep by you know firing off some sample questions at him and see how he responds. Uh, however, before this one, Toby is warned in advance by Josh, I think, starts it off. Or maybe Sam or Leo. Leo starts it. Yeah, Leo. Leo. Leo's like, hey, Bartlett's like just not having a great morning. We're going to keep it kind of chill during the two-minute drill. And and this makes Toby like, what do you mean? Like, the debate's tonight. He can't be having a not great morning. And he starts kind of like flipping out in his very Toby kind of way. It's very cute and funny. Um, and so they agree that they're just going to lob him some softballs because they have five other two-minute drills coming up. Uh, so they get there and they, they lob them some softballs, you know, the first one's about like education or something. Another one's about uh, something else. And then, uh, the one Toby asks him is, uh, uh, president Bartlett, you're against the death penalty. Uh, if your daughter Zoe was raped and murdered, would you not want to kill the man who did it? Um, which is famously a, a question that Dukakis got, um, uh, at the, um, uh, what's it 88 debate yeah. against hw <clears throat> yep yeah and uh and fumbles uh in and in the show uh bartlett fumbles it in almost the exact same way yeah it's it's eerie <laughs> it's almost word for word and usually you don't get like that sort of uh deliberate easter egg mm-hmm yeah, I appreciated that the show actually did that because I went back and, and watched the clip and yeah, he fumbles it almost exactly the same way. And of course, this makes Toby start freaking the fuck out in the Oval Office. He's like, are you kidding me with this? Like, this terrible answer? Yeah, you, the debate's tonight. You're, are you... I don't know. Like, he just starts going full Woody Allen neurotic Jew. Um, it's it's quite a delight. Uh, and then all of them just start cracking up and Bartlett goes, all right, you all owe me 10 bucks. <laughs> um, and we get the reveal that this this was an an epic LOL prank on Toby. Yeah, basically um, setting but, him up to have a meltdown. <laughs> yeah, and actually Bartlett is prepped just fine and is going to kick ass. And, you know, he's confident enough that he has time for jokes even. Um, and th- this brings us the swell into our opening credits. And, and Toby's like, okay, he's ready. <laughs> yep. Well, um, and I think so it's, that's our setup for the debate, basically. It, all, it also works to sort of um, set the stakes in a, like a light and fancy freeway out the gate because i mean right the serialization if he did fuck up that bad <laughs> it could yeah well and the, and the serialization of this sort of of the, of the campaign season has not been as explicit as mm-hmm. it was in the past like this is sort of going in fits and starts it's and the, very, the time very true like the time dimension has been shrinking up to this episode so it's good for the show to basically remind us that like this is happening like now how do we do right. it? How do we do it in like a creative sort of not ham-handed way? Yeah, 
Yeah, this episode's events almost happen in real time, sort of, yep. you know, taking place over just the course of one day. Um, and so uh, we'll, we'll get to the debate in a later segment. Um, the other two subplots in this episode involve uh, one more stuff with the Kumar fallout of, you know, the whole thing that started with Sharif and, and now has escalated to killing the the stand-in for Bibi uh, <laughs> and then the bombing by Israel of, like, the two of the Hamas mil- sites. The Hamas sites, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, they're, they're bombing. Uh, whatever the show called it, yeah, yeah. the hobby or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, we all know. Um, <laughs> the uh, and But then the third subplot is the... Um, and it's so unsubtle once you know where this arc is going of the replace Sam uh, storyline, which introduces to us in this episode a new character uh, who is going to become a recurring main star, uh, Will Bailey. Yeah, so Will Bailey joins the cast for the rest of the series. Spoiler, Mm -hmm. here he's played by a guy named Joshua Molina, who has been... in yeah. fucking everything like and who worked with Sorkin previously on Sports Night yep. for uh for many years so already had a good working relationship with uh with Sorkin and all of his people. He also is the co-host of our Nemesis um doppelganger podcast. Uh, the official one. The official one, the West Wing <laughs> uh, thing. I thought our nemesis one... No, the, the West Wing thing is the Dave Anthony one. Oh, the oh. official one, we do not actually have a rivalry with because, God, we couldn't, we couldn't <laughs> st- even think of approaching their level. No, no, the, the nemesis one is that Dave Anthony West Wing thing, which is doing the exact same thing we do. The official one is much more of a love letter, and they don't even go really, like... Excuse me, it's the West Wing Weekly is the title. Yeah, their recaps suck. (laughs) Like, they they barely talk about the episode, and it it was so frustrating to me to hear them, and then they would just move on to, like, oh, but we have the costume designer. We're going to talk for her for 20 minutes about the same Hollywood nepotism story about, oh, I got hired because I knew Sorkin already, and, like, every story ends that way. (laughs) Like, we get it. Hollywood is nepotism. Thanks. Next one, tell the same goddamn story. Don't talk about the actual episodes. Anyway. I'm going off on a whole rant here. More like Aaron sorkin my own dick. <laughs> um, but anyway, so Will Bailey uh, is introduced to us uh, running uh, the Horton Wild campaign. Horton Wild, of course, we got news of in last episode had just died yep. uh, of his uh, fourth heart attack. Um, and so Sam is going down there to actually tell them to kind of, like, wrap it up. Um, but it, it takes them a long time to get to that point because, and this is, I love that we're introduced to Will Bailey this way, he's introduced to us in the most easily distinct visual shorthand for this is a good guy we have on the West Wing. He's working himself to death. <laughs> yes, yes. He has such work <laughs> ethic, and therefore yeah. he, is he is morally good. <laughs> He's juggling so many plates right now, and he's, you know, he doesn't even have time to, like, tie a tie. It's, you know, his, his, his sleeves are rolled up, he's sweating, you know, he's he's just working so damn hard, uh, and all for, for nothing, effectively. <laughs> Uh, which is which is ultimate proof in West Wing world that he's, a, he's the, the, the best guy. Yeah. So, yeah, it's obvious he's, like, a replacement Sam, because... A, he's a, he's also a speechwriter, 
B, he's this young, idealistic go-getter, just like Sam was introduced to us as, but now, you know, over the course of the last few few years has now become, like, the cynical, uh, ho- you know, the c- cynical insider who has to come and tell the young idealist that, uh, better that he's things running aren't a campaign. Uh, and yeah, better things aren't possible, and, and you're an embarrassment to the Democrats. Which is uh, a weird that. fucking line, like... Yeah, I get. It's I, a, I guess I get it, but is it really? I mean, I I subscribe to the idea of there's no such thing as bad publicity, and the fact that Will got all this attention on his campaign by continuing to run a dead man's campaign, and like all the reporters. You know, he mentions that one's coming out from, like, San Diego and whatever. He's like, wow, you're a long way from home. And it's like, well, this story is interesting. And it's like, well, because he got all that PS and and press and PR, spoiler alert, he ends up winning the damn Horton Wilde campaign. Yeah. So um, before, like, we discuss the in-TV, in-show universe here, I just want to say we know my, my wife and I are friends with a person who is directly tied to this kind of saga of a dead man running for Congress happened in Mm -hmm. real life. There's a guy in Missouri um, named Mel Carnahan um, who was running for Missouri Senate in the year 2000 against a name we're all familiar with at this point, John Ashcroft. Oh, Um, that's right. I remember Ashcroft losing to a dead guy. Yep. (laughs) And like our, our friend, basically the guy died in a, plane crash along with two other people his campaign advisor and a chief of staff and then like he he like took up the mantle of the campaign and it was his wife who won his seat and held it for two years until the special Hmm. so wow that's it it literally had just happened when this was being written like two years before yeah so it was definitely you know that they definitely pulled from real life to to write this sort of fictional scenario and it is a sort of funny scenario like when you you know the reporters all have like a good little laugh about like well this is this is really dumb like he's dead (laughs) (laughs) but then you know (laughs) you know will belly explains that like hey he's still running on the issues that you know Mm -hmm. uh horton wild supported who who appeared to be a big gun control guy because that's like their main the main plank that will really talks about and stresses uh listing off some gun names that i'm pretty sure three of them are fake <laughs> yeah. well, i was listening to just like he, he says ak-57 which is like you're so close oh man so not. Uh, I, I tried to buy you know nice rifle off truck but uh i barely i get knockoff brand says ak-57 <laughs> yeah see this this russian guy being confused <laughs> yeah and like they're talking about and it's very much um this actually like the, the invocation of the gun control issue in this setting is an artifact of like the mid 90s and yes for white people in orange county it's like, that's the that's the biggest concern they have oh the, get, the gangsters get, get like, rid of the scary guns from south central la yeah with like and they they explicitly call it mac 10s and it's like oh yeah mm-hmm. that's that's the one that, that was that's that was like that, the that was the scare one yep, yep. <laughs> that you see in every like 80s crime movie it's all the drive-bys with the black guys and the low rider and like uh, you see in every single death wish movie yeah <laughs> Quite it's a few Predator freaks. movies, too, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, uh, so in this episode, we don't actually see the result of the Horton Wilde campaign. We just get um, Sam 
basically telling Will that, like I said, his campaign is apparently an embarrassment, and he's here to tell them to shut it down. Uh, and Will, you know, West Wingly, idealistically, is like, no, I'm here to fight the fight, and, I, uh, you know, has his little, you know, Mr. Smith in Washington moment, basically. And, uh, and it, that, along with the fact that Will had just written some speech for the governor that apparently went over big. Yeah. Uh, in, in the ultimate example of tell, don't show, uh, we hear all <laughs> about this speech, uh, but we don't actually see any of it or, or hear any direct lines quoted from it or anything. Uh, really, really good tell not showing there, <laughs> uh, Sorkin. And they wind down the arc at the end of the episode with like, they're sitting in a bar and Sam has tried once, like one last time to be like, hey, to, mm-hmm. hey, Will, mm-hmm. fucking knock it off. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, he does his little, like, I'm a scrappy and like, we got to believe in our principles. And like all the other staffers that are around them, like, don't know that this is happening. Right. They don't though, hear it, apparently. <laughs> yeah. And even though it should be, I mean, if you are astute at all, it should be like. Oh, that's why the deputy communications director for the fucking, <laughs> for the fucking White House, White House. <laughs> is here. Came to our office, not just to wish us all a little well and, and have a little meet and greet. And then they, but then they like make him a cake. Yeah, like, <laughs> and like I don't. They, it's so, like a, it's so celebrity you. worship. It just feels like, oh my God, Rob Lowe. <laughs> like, and had I not known better, and we do know better now, it's like this was. Because Roblo was too pissy to stick around. <laughs> right. He was having big contract. He wanted more money um, from the sound of it. You know, that's what contract dispute always ends yeah. up meaning uh, <laughs> on the actor end. So, yeah, he wanted a lot more money. Joshua Molina was like, I don't give a fuck. I'll do like." And if you've listened to the actual West Wing Weekly, the, the one thing I really appreciate about Joshua Molina is how little of a fuck he gives. Yeah. He's just like, I'm an actor. Uh, someone hands me words on a script and I read them as best as possible. And then I go home. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like he doesn't ascribe any like you know he's not high on import- supply right he's he doesn't ascribe any import importance to it or anything like that he's just like nope i'm just a worker man it's just that my work involves playing a fake man in front of a camera all day well and frankly this is probably this was coming up on a series of interesting hollywood related strikes like you had the writer's strike at the end of the the decade mm-hmm. the early aughts there was a sag strike in 05 i think mm-hmm. and sort of seeing hints of this playing out when you look back at how the shows and certain big ticket actors worked it was Mm -hmm. like it's really interesting to think about like well you know if you've got the union and you're working for union scale which is a decent negotiated wage like Mm -hmm. everybody could sort of just settle down and do things normally but rob lowe being a notoriously right-wing shithead like, yeah, e- yeah. Even back when you didn't have to hide it, uh, yeah. He, like he was, he was, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, definitely some greed issues there. I feels like if, without knowing too much about it. Um, but anyway, so yeah, the the narrative purpose of this is just to set up Will as uh, Sam's replacement, which they have started us on the road uh, for this episode. Also, is to put Danica McKellar on screen and whew. yes. Yeah. Meow. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, Winnie... the staff is getting younger and sexier. <laughs> <laughs> Winnie from the Wonder Years reappears in the West Wing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, it's definitely an attempt to inject some new blood into the show at this point, too. Um, and, like, I guess that no one knows at this point that Sorkin is already mentally on his way out of yeah. the show. <laughs> um, uh, no one but Sorkin, I guess. 
Um, I don't think he ends up discussing it with much of the crew until like the actual end of uh, season four, um, mm-hmm. where he just is like, "Okay, guys, I'm I'm kind of done actually." Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we'll get into that when we get to the end of the season. Uh, in the meantime, let's take a quick break, and then we can come back and discuss the Kumari subplot. Kumar is back in this episode and sort of the continued fallout of the first few episodes of this season um, where Leo and Jordan are now negotiating with the Kumari UN ambassador about how to de-escalate what's going on in the Red Sea. Yes. um, With, you know, turning this boat around or... Right. So at this point, they've seized the boat. Um, and, you know, Kumar's, Kumar has made demands about access to certain missile technology, having political prisoners released, uh, and Leo's just going full hard line, like, no, we're, you know, digging his heels in, we don't negotiate with terrorists kind of mentality. Um, and then, so, well, so the, the point of, the point of like Jordan being in this is to, I think more than anything, it's, is to provide like to set Leo up for these reactions because yes. I mean she she basically gets like goes full bore immediately being like you can't just be you know like unilaterally right. do all this shit right and then and Leo comes back with like yes the fuck I can yeah uh. and you 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 noted that I'll, I'll and I'll include this clip here because the Leo's reaction to Jordan pressing him even a little bit about being somewhat conciliatory <laughs> to Kumari demands results in this reaction we're not on their way to the Kumari they were on their way to the Bahi if I can't get everyone else on board with the fact that Kumar is our enemy, surely we can all agree that the international Bahi cell is. The weapons were on their way to the Bahi, and the Austin stopped them. Kumar's leveraging the Mestika. We know this. What do they want? Yesterday, they want THAAD missile technology. Today, they want convicted Bahi operatives let out of U.S. jails. It changes. You're going to have to give them some. No, I don't have to do anything, Jordan. I'm right. They're wrong. They're strong. I'm much stronger. Which is just <laughs> like, oh, okay. I'm the empire. I'm the emperor. <laughs> Unlimited power. <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, it's like, and look, I get, I guess very emotionally, okay, you're getting frustrated with I, having to go back and forth about all this stuff I all guess. the time. It, it feels like it's really like poking on Leo's military side, though. Like, you know, when you get him down to his core, when you get him angry, he's just that guy in the fighter jet and goes like, I can fucking blow you up if I want. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm the one that has the bombs. Uh, I'm going to drop them on you. And so, and like, the thing is, and also, it just, the, the reaction within the administration's strategy is somewhat incoherent because if he yeah. if they actually believe Leo's position and he's just like, I don't have to do shit, 
I am stronger than they are, might makes right, whatever, then why does the president have to make a case for anything? Right. Like, why does he have to go through these legal like hoops and justifications to the international community? Yeah, why do you have Jordan like, there at all? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah. so why don't you just go full bore, um, sorry, but fuck you, I'm bigger than you. Right. But Jor- Jordan is here to be sort of, I guess, like a moderating force on Leo, or more accurately, like you said, just sort of a setup so that Leo gets to act like a tough guy. I guess. Yeah. Uh, and so they, they go back in and, like, they talk to the UN, the Kumari UN ambassador guy. And base, I, I don't actually understand what happens, but for some reason they get a deal done or something. Yeah, like, it, and it is Somehow very... they avoid World War Three. Yeah, and I mean, that that's pretty much, like, you can almost watch the, like, you can watch who, Sorkin, I'm assuming, like, give up writing the intricacies of diplomacy here yeah. because it's just like they end this portion of the meeting jordan get fires off a quip about what is it, the godless infidels <laughs> yeah like yeah it's very weird because she's yeah. supposed to be sort of the moderating balancing force between them but then sort of just takes leo's hard line right at the end yeah and like um i again basically she- leo is just melting down the ambassador calls the the counterintelligence that they've like set up Zionist propaganda, which rules. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, um, yeah. The, the ambassador basically has the right of the whole thing, anyway. It, I wouldn't call it the right, but like he certainly his position's a lot more logical than Leo's. You know, oh, sure. he's like, okay, fine. We're both in a position here where we need to negotiate a compromise. Uh, here's what I'm willing to offer and what I want. What do you want? And Leo just goes, I want everything. I get everything and you get nothing. Yeah. And I mean, he also mentions that if Bartlett went out and announced to the public that he oh actually extrajudicially killed uh, Sharif, that it would win him votes. Right. And of then course he'd shoot he's up right. at the polls. And he's fucking right, of course. <laughs> Absolutely. And we have proof because Obama fucking did it. Yeah. Oh my Ugh. God. Uh, yeah, so, like, it's like, I love the way he phrases it, too. He's like, all he would have to do to secure this election is say, I killed Sharif, then walk across the street and get a Nathan's hot dog and bite in. <laughs> and it's like, you're right, he'd win in a goddamn landslide. <laughs> like, that's USA, the, that's the, <laughs> USA. That's the ultimate fucking campaign ad right there. <laughs> Just yeah. announce you killed a bad man and then take a bite of a hot dog. <laughs> God bless America. Well, and... So we also get a little bit of a glimpse of Leo's pathology a little bit deeper. And I'm remembering this as we talk about it, where it's like um, he mentions that he's like, um, I flew jet fighters over the DMZ and I have a perspective on this. But he is also you don't really understand why he brings that up, except out of the context of the fact that he is sort of supposed to be the military guy. Right. Right. And it's utterly bizarre because every time he brings up something along like uh, in that vein he is very close to were he to be actually as intelligent as he's written to be he would understand that there was no real reason right <laughs> for him flying fighters over the dmc right or like that he was exploited and abused by you know the patriotic myth right. like so many other people are but every time he's very close 
just, he just veers right back into bloodthirst. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's it, it goes back to that moment where he got told that like, no, Leo, you didn't bomb a military target. You bombed a village and killed yeah. a bunch of innocent people. And his reaction is, why the fuck did you tell me that? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and not to and not to question anything about his service <laughs> or what his country lied to him about or or anything like that. It's just I was so much happier being ignorant about that. God damn it. Which I think in the context of this show, there's a lot of like that during the age of and for whatever reason the kind of um the sticky slogan uh remains at the forefront of my mind with like don't ask, don't tell in the military specifically. Mm-hmm. It's that there is a strategic ignorance mm-hmm. about all of this stuff. It right. is subconscious and deeply written. It, it's into a lot better if we just don't shine the light on those corners full of, you know, there might be cockroaches there, but until you shine the light, we will never know. Well, and not to have it put fucking two on the nose, but Mr. So many fucking COVID tests mm-hmm. in the current administration. It's like, oh, no, like if we just um, if we stop the testing, then we stop yeah. the cases. Bing, bong, yeah. bing. It's, so, it's so, that simple. So just simple. don't. Just don't pay attention don't to it and it goes it. away. Just don't look. Just don't look. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they'll, they'll stop trashing the town if you just don't pay attention to mm-hmm. them. Oh, oh, boy. All right. Let's uh, let's take another quick break here. Uh, and then we'll come back and discuss the actual debate that goes on uh, in the latter third of the episode. And so we get into the actual debate of the titular Game On, um, which everyone is saying Game On to him beforehand. uh, beforehand To pump him up. To pump him the fuck up. (laughs) Uh, Beforehand, they have a little powwow with him and the staff where they all say, you know, some variation of like, you got this, go get him, you know, uh, and all that. And um, so what's funny is they've set up beforehand on the plane. Charlie uh, pulls Donna aside and is like, hey, uh, so the president told me to get his his lucky tie that he won, you know, he wore during the last debate uh, when, when he won, you know, when he was first became president. Uh, unfortunately, that tie got destroyed by the cleaners. So uh, do you think this tie looks close enough to the game tie? And he holds up like a sample tie. And Donna's like, what? Who cares? It's a tie. <laughs> and Charlie's like, okay. You don't get this, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, f- so fuck off. You're not going to be any help whatsoever. We get the. I understand, <laughs> you know. And uh, to be fair, I'm with Charlie on this. Like, of course it matters. Well, yeah, and it's literally like his whole attitude is basically just like, uh, you, it. Uh, all right, chicks just don't get sports. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna like, move You along. don't get it. You don't get it. This is like his game jersey. You yeah. know, like this is this is his lucky stick. This is his lucky glove. Yeah. You know, this is the thing. <laughs> 
you don't fucking get it like you know <laughs> yeah um yeah so it's it's a nice little comedy moment and so we get you know then he he talks to Bartlett about it and Bartlett tr- you know tries to play it up with like oh it's just a tie it's it's fine I'm not you know but you can tell he he is actually upset about it a little and so that finally pays off with this fantastic scene where we get Stalker Channing showing up out of nowhere again yay uh, like literally out of nowhere, she's not yeah. even in the scene with the other staff members when they're doing the thank you, and it's just like you pan back around and she's there. <laughs> well, and it's like, oh shit, Abby's here, great, in, cool, in this um, bright pink Chanel suit, and I'm I'm gonna mail. It looks gaze. like the Marge Marge to pull another Simpsons yeah. reference on my ass. It looks like the Marge suit that she gets into the country club with. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I'm I'm also gonna mail gaze this a little bit. Stalker Channing is looking fucking rough in this. <laughs> Like in this episode, yeah, just a little off. I don't know something. Why. Maybe it's like, the haircut and the, bad like, the hair color day. Of the suit. You know, woke up, woke up on the wrong side of the bed. That kind of thing. I don't know. Uh, but she, regardless, she has this great moment where Bartlett then starts kind of freaking out about the tie again. Where he's like, "Man, there was, you know, there was good energy in that tie. That was my game tie, you know." And, and so it, you can tell he actually does care about it. And Abby kind of is like, "Look, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was you, smart guy, not the tie." <laughs> uh, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah," but you. You can tell he's still his heart's still not in it and so abby <laughs> comes up with this great last second plan he's sure she's like by the way i'm sorry and he's like sorry for what and she pulls these scissors off the desk and just cuts his tie in half <laughs> and he goes oh my god you're insane you're insane what have you it's done just- there's this great moment of Stalker Change just going like, <laughs> holding the holding the clip tie, uh, which is possibly the funniest and hardest I've laughed at this show. Yeah, well, and so he then goes out and like does the, the debate. staff has to go through this like great little scramble yeah. to like, oh, Josh, pull off your tie. Oh, what's going on? Well, it's like the ult- it's the ultimate walk and talk where they're like, yeah. they're, they're tumbling over each other in the hallway yeah. to go out on stage, like being yeah. like, what C- the fuck? CJ goes, that tie hasn't been tested for TV, and Toby's like, you're right, we should run the TV tests. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's a good little, like, gets him full of energy and oomph and like, and then he slaps, slaps Abby on the ass for good luck, uh, like two seconds before he walks up there. Um, and then, so the debate itself is actually not super engaging. And I, I think what's more engaging is the staff's reaction to the debate. Um, yeah, you know, as, as soon as Bartlett gets his first own in, it's all like, oh shit. And like, (laughs) super slam fucking game on. Uh, and like, yeah, we got, we got, we got him, you know, we, uh, CJ was worried about uncle fluffy, uh, versus like, you know, actual on the, on game president Bartlett. And she's like, Ooh boy, we ain't got uncle fluffy tonight. Um, and so via staff reaction and whatnot and audience clapping, uh, you know, it, we we know that this has gone extremely well for Bartlett. He pulls out nice, like, uh, answers that the Baileys would love to hear. Yes. Uh, where he, he demonstrates how much smarter he is than Richie when Richie just comes out and says things like, taxes should be low because I believe in America. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then Bartlett will be like, ah, uh, you know, unfunded mandate is actually two words, not one. <laughs> <laughs> Big applause. Got, got him. <laughs> got him uh, and so him. it's it, it i love that this moment at the end of the debate so bartlett and richie are doing the post-debate handshake 
and uh, and Richie goes, "I'm finished. You got me." <laughs> like like, oh really? Now all of a sudden you're like smart and self aware about this. Well, it's just so lazy uh, just to be like, oh, we're gonna literally make him say it. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah, I'm sure opponents in the moment absolutely think they lost. No, yeah, that's a thing that Sure happens. thing, dude. Like, no, both sides always go away thinking, I kicked your ass. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, and especially if it's just, like, owning people via sound bites, because it's, right. it's impossible for either of them to say something that their base won't like. It's right, like, like we just, we just, the episode just doesn't show the claps that Richie gets. But like in a real debate, he'd be getting half the audience clapping for him after everything he said. Yeah, which is but, again, you know, like, with selective editing, you know, that the show gets to do, they can just portray it as, oh, Bartlett completely owned him the entire night. Yeah, um, I mean, the, they they have the same typical garbage policy and politics points in the debate as the entire yeah. rest of the show, but. Um, yeah. The thing with Albie Duncan. So I'll. Oh yeah. I'll tee up the Albie Duncan thing to say that Albie Duncan is a like a Republican something. Bow tie wearing motherfucker. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he's played by Hal Hol- Holbrook, who played Deep Throat in All the President's Men. Um, like classic uh, actor, and again a nice hat tip to you know uh, real political stuff. Mm. Um, in in the show and. They bring him in basically to kind of sell some of Bartlett's more key policy positions to Republicans because they can prop him up yes. as like, a, oh, this is the reasonable one that we can work with. The, the show's favorite thing, a reasonable Republican. Yeah. Yes. And so CJ has a deep conversation with him on Air Force One on the way to Beforehand, the debate yep. that is just like, I... We're supposed to be establishing sympathy for this character, but you wrote it here. It's just like, it's just a fucking a, a dribble of weird sinophobia the entire time he's talking about China. Like, yeah, so he's supposed to be their China expert. And so she starts, you know, she she gives him like an example question that he might field about China. And he starts going into like this whole thing about, oh, but, you know, they, they, they're going to be sewing soccer balls with their teeth. But, you know, they're, if they, they're going to commit human rights violations either way, don't we want to sell them cheeseburgers <sighs> as, long as, they, as long as, you know, they have a billion customers for McDonald's? This has actually been this sort of, um, uh, like, line of thought has been popping up and there's been a big reaction to it on the left quite recently where it's like you presume that as long as you are, like, engaging in commerce with people, you're, like, establishing visibility i think i was listening it was in chapo the other day or something but it's like you presume that as long as you are paying their terrible low salaries or like giving these people money of any sort that you are raising awareness and giving them like a chance to live their lives promoting freedom yeah or, or, or like somewhere. well look they have mcdonald's now surely they'll understand that freedom and democracy is is the only way yeah and like it's just to his point like Actually, they fucking wouldn't be sewing soccer balls with their teeth if we weren't exploiting their low the, cost the of labor living. conditions. Yes, I yeah. J- uh. <laughs> okay. So yeah, his his position on China makes no sense. But but whatever, it's really more just there to be kind of teed up as wow, we kicked so much ass at this debate that we don't even need to just 
feed the 10 second spin line about China, we can really dig into the weeds. And so CJ tees him up with like, hey, remember all that conversation we had on the plane where I said not to do this stuff? What if I'll just ask you it right now in front of all the cameras? Yeah. And it, it just kind of leads to this moment where he gets to like smile big and, and be like, wow, I get to I get to say all my crazy shit about China to the cameras. Thanks, CJ. And she kisses him on the cheek and, and sends him on his way. And it's like, yay, we love Republicans. <laughs> yeah. And even in the like within the debate itself, like I bolded this because of, like, the the conception of like freedom, quote unquote, capital F freedom as the capacity to consume products. Yeah. It's like, it's yeah. super the, the, perverse. The ability to buy a McDonald's cheeseburger. That's freedom. And and it's very, I mean, obviously it's it's Cold Warrior bullshit. Like it's always been because, you know, the, the stereotype of, well, our supermarkets have 1,100 different brands of products right. on the shelves. They only have the one toothpaste. Oh my God. <laughs> well, you know, I think maybe they were talking on Bread and Roses about this the other day, but it's like, well, 15 brands of toothpaste, all of which are mint flavored and made with the same ingredients. Like, what's the yeah. fucking point? <laughs> but this one says extra whitening on the box, so I'm going to pay a little extra for this one. <laughs> I just like, oh. it, it, it poisoned American perception of particularly the, the trade thing. Because when everybody thinks of trade, they think of, oh, it encourages diversity in the marketplace, whereas actually the United States has essentially been working, Con- increasing, monopolizing yeah, to, every every sector to uh, decrease as much that. as possible. Yeah, right. To decrease competition, to to decrease freedom of choice, uh, all that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, but yeah, uh, that mostly does it for the debate stuff. Anything else you wanted to mention? Uh, I mean, I think that that pretty much wraps it up. It just like. <laughs> You know, the the narrative focus of it is that Bartlett kicked ass and therefore the election is basically over at this point. You know, Richie has effectively given up at the end of the debate already. Yeah. And you know, he's he's already admitting it's over. And it's it's hard to I mean, I guess narratively and in the scope of a forty four minute television show, it's sort of like that's as much that's as much time as you can afford to spare. <laughs> See, this is funny you say this. In season seven is where we have the debate episode that is real time, where they actually show the entire debate. Holy shit, I forgot about That is a hell of a that. gimmick. Okay. But like- See, so you say this, and in a certain <laughs> aspect you're right, because A, I think that the real time debate episode is bad, uh, and is terribly done, and it was a... Dis- dismal idea actually and it's much better to do it in the way that this episode does it where we only just get snippets of it but it's enough for you to get the idea of how the tone of the whole thing went yeah well and again we're we're trying to push the plot along here you know right like the yeah fact, we've got business to do like the fact that richie exists he only exists as a character because it's an in opposition to the administration. It sets up the horse and race. That, this will be the last time we see him, by the way. Yes. We don't see him on the election night episode. And, and after that, he's just fucking done. So. Well, because James uh, Brolin's get, a big this ticket This is your actor. last time seeing Brolin. Yeah. Yeah. So enjoy enjoy it while you can. Um, yeah, he'll be... He's fucking dead now. <laughs> Rip. <laughs> uh, so yeah, let's take another quick break and then we'll just come back and wrap up real quick.
and welcome back. Uh, thanks as always for listening. We uh, we enjoy. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, the next episode is entitled Election Night, and is of course about Election Night. Right. Uh, and so we'll be happy to get into all the weeds and details of that next time. Uh, in the meantime, as always, uh, we appreciate any comments, questions, feedback you have for us, um, either our thread on Something Awful or our thread on Bread and Roses. Uh, if you found the show a different way, hello, welcome. Uh, and if you have any questions, comments, concerns, whatever, you can email the show at theworstwing69 at gmail.com. Which is nice. And it's you know what else is nice. nice is the song that we're going to go out on here because there's a song on the jukebox in the final scene of this episode that is probably one of my favorite popular music songs ever written. Uh, it's Midnight Confessions by Grassroots. It just fucking slaps like hell. And the funny thing about the final scene is that Sam and Will are talking for like five and a half minutes. Mm -hmm. So somebody in that bar really loves Grassroots. <laughs> they, they, paid for, they paid for it to be played <laughs> multiple times in a row. Yeah, it rules. <laughs> it's a great song, but I don't know if I would be uh, if I would have the balls to put it on three times in a row on the jukebox. <laughs> they, they hit the three-pack thing, and then they accidentally just mash the button too many times. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, everyone. Have, stay safe. Enjoy. Stay safe, y'all. Bye.